Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners for Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Security Token Show. I'm your host, Kyle Solomon, joined as always by my co-host, Herwig Konings. And we have an amazing episode lined up talking about institutional banking news, tokenization, Web3 stuff, but the real Web3 stuff that hasn't had any impact despite the craziness going on in the market. We're here in Miami, Florida, as you can see, and we have an amazing episode lined up for us today. But first, I want to thank our sponsor this week is Top Floor. It's an entrepreneurship community helping build and connect individuals around the world that have built their own businesses, helping them share resources and connect better with their audience. They have an NFT collection that represents the membership into the community, which I think is an effective use case for that technology as opposed to some of the other craziness going on. And they're also doing some great things to provide entrepreneurs with resources to grow and build their businesses. Thanks to Top Floor. Everybody needs help learning entrepreneurship as well as mentorship and getting their way to the top, topfloormarketplace.com. Thank you, as always, to our sponsors for making this show possible. And of course, we've got an amazing episode. The top five is hot this week. We've, of course, got the latest industry news, the latest security token offerings, what's happening in the secondary markets, and a peek inside what's going on in the metaverse, followed by our main topic, which this week is going to be all about what's happening to tokenized stocks with all this FTX fallout. Kyle. Yeah, we've seen these Google, Apple, Facebook trading 24-7 on crypto exchanges. Now that FTX, the biggest of the platforms, is falling apart, what's going to happen there? Stay tuned. But with that, let's get into the show. Kicking off our top five, we've got huge, huge news. Addex, one of the leading Singaporean exchanges for security tokens, has officially announced a pre-Series B financing, Kyle. $20 million. Hey, when the money's good. Whew. Take it, especially in a climate like this, Kyle. It is not easy to raise VC funding, especially with all this crypto wake happening. Uh, congratulations to Addex for raising $20 million for further expansion uh, and potentially new markets. Herwig, it may not be incredibly hyperbole to say Addex is the hottest exchange in the blockchain industry. Right? Like, I mean, crypto right now is on its way down. They're illiquid, having bank runs. So their addicts is having no problems raising money. That is an interesting thought. Leading the charge. On the other side of the coin, though, SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, former CEO of FTX. Now, FTX has submitted for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, but perhaps they should have been doing Chapter 7, which specifically is around liquidating assets as opposed to reassigning the debt. These are slightly different nuances, but the reason being is because Bahamas government potentially pulling out some of their money early as opposed to the U.S. U.S. FBI not happy. They want SBF in U.S. custody. There's a fight over this guy and who's going to charge him, which doesn't always mean that justice actually gets served. Bank run is happening for real, folks. Everybody wants their money out from governments to big institutions to the little 
guys and gals. It's a mess. A huge mess. Number three, as a result of this huge mess, senators and many others are being vocal about crying for regulation around the crypto markets. Of course, we're talking about tens of billions of dollars getting wiped out once again. This is not the first of many issues happening in the crypto industry this year. So finally, we may have seen the push needed to get some regulation. Is it the right regulation. In fact, the bill that is getting pushed forward is the very bill that Sam Bankman-Fried backed, uh, urging for more regulation, uh, despite, as we have found out, calling regulation stupid uh, and bad (laughs) for consumers. But ultimately, we see that now demand for regulators and legislation may, in fact, and maybe assign it to the commodities regulators. But regardless, we can expect continued enforcement and a huge investigation as a result of this. I have not yet read this bill, but it seems like from a high level, potentially it involves exchanges, including DeFi exchanges, to have to follow broker-dealer regulations, which maybe isn't the worst thing ever. So who knows? But number four, We've got the digital dollar, ladies and gentlemen. We've been talking about, specifically you and the Security Token Advisors team have been talking about CBDCs, central bank digital currencies, as well as stable coins that are sponsored by state companies and legislatures. We may actually have one that's coming out for the U.S. dollar, folks. There is a 12-week platform trial program going on, spearheading by Wells Fargo, MasterCard, Citibank, PNC, HSBC, and the Fed to explore digital dollars. This means they would take real dollars, tokenize them, and then leverage that on-chain asset for their accounting purposes with regard to central bank treasury assets, as well as eventual retail spending. This has caused a lot of interest from everyone around the world, obviously privacy concerns, but also significant efficiencies and putting caps on how much they can actually create because now it's all on chain. Some interesting things to think about. And what happens to the stablecoin industry because this Mm. would be the best form of a digital dollar you can get. Number five, we of course, we've got South Korea. Folks, once again, this is huge news because South Korea is saying that they are gearing up to focus on tokenization. There's new regulation coming that's going to embrace security tokens and enable the trading and facilitation of much easier. You've got their regulatory sandbox, which we've seen as a proven method to bring in and orchestrate proper technology and brokerage. Uh, following the regulation under regulatory oversight, but allowing exchanges and marketplaces like, for example, Adex, who just raised $20 million uh, to thrive. They went through a Singaporean sandbox program. So hopefully Korea does the same exact thing. And we see a lot of innovation come out of that. So major, major news from South Korea. Can't wait to see what comes out of that, especially next year. I assume we'll see a lot of the fruits of that labor. And Kyle, with that, we've got even more industry news over with the rest of the team, starting with Anna Yanzi. Happy Grand Rising. Let's start your Monday right with some good tokenization news. First off, we have a win this week for the SEC. The LBC cryptocurrency token was deemed a security by a federal judge. It all started when the SEC filed the suit in federal court stating that LBRY Inc., the makers of the token, were in violation of Section 5 of the Securities Act. The question at hand was whether their offering led investors to believe there would be a reasonable expectation of profit. The company argued that LBC was a utility token because its primary purpose was to enable its holders to access video and other digital content on the network. 
The SEC, however, presented numerous communications by the company that highlighted the value proposition of the token for potential investors. The court ruled that the evidence showed they promoted LBC as an investment that would grow in value over time through the company's development of the network, which makes the offering a security. The court also made it a point to address the fact that the company could not claim it did not have fair notice that it was in violation of the law since the Howey test exists. Remember folks, when in doubt, always follow the Howey test. Next, we have a partnership that is happening between Arcax and Onera. Arcax will be distributing digital securities over the Onera FinP2P network. Arcax is rolling out a digital asset ecosystem designed to allow institutions to raise funds through digital issuance as well as custody and trade of a variety of digital assets. Together, Arcax and Onera are perfectly positioned to help move the institutional adoption of digital assets forward to the next level. The currency announced that it has received a United States patent for its compliance aware token. They expect all financial assets to eventually move onto blockchain infrastructure and are focused on leading the way as they create the digital marketplaces of the future. The currency's compliance aware token framework simplifies critical functions like custody, transfer agency, and regulatory compliance and is enabled by four key components those being identity services, attestation registry, policy rules engines, and compliance oracle. For our last news of the days, we have Stan Bankman Fried trying to explain himself in the midst of the FTX collapse. He engaged in a conversation with a journalist over Twitter. During the conversation, he dismissed regulators by saying they make everything worse. He also said most of his image and perception was a PR play and that being unethical is only bad if you come out losing. He admitted to messing up, but also insists most, most, much of the trouble could have been avoided if FTX had not, been declared, had not declared bankruptcy. He believes he should have kept trying to raise money. As for in, what is next in the cards for him, his number one priority now is to try to raise $8 billion to make account holders whole. Okay, folks, that's all the news for today. Let's see what Megan has on the STO side. Welcome back to Security Token Updates. Let's kick off my segment with news from Bonfire Dow. First up, Bonfire Dow is successfully disrupting the rich get richer cycle of the traditional real estate market by fractionalizing income producing assets and making this investment accessible to a more diverse income class. Last week, they sold out their MVP, which stands for Minimum Viable Product, a $310,000 single family rental in only 15 days. I guess you could say the bonfire is officially lit and ready to help people all around the globe acquire generational wealth on their own terms as part of a global community. Joshua Kagan and Vi Grupta co-founded the revolutionary fractionalized real estate investment protocol to support a generation that has, according to them, been left out in the cold. Bonfire Dow enables all income classes to buy real estate tokens at a fraction of the price and become members of a governing DAO established after the property tokens sell out and generate income from an asset that would otherwise be significantly harder to acquire alone. As we preach and Bonfire is implementing, tokenizing assets and recording them on an immutable blockchain will bring 24-7, 365 days liquidity to these types of assets that are increasingly locked up by large institutions and private equity firms, thereby giving a more diverse income class 
the option to own real estate. Bonfire is utilizing a DAO system, and this system enables everyone with a property token to have a say in managing the property itself. Their smart contract software allows community members to vote and share preferences via an automated and seamless system. Each member of the DAO has the authority to decide on a plethora of governance decisions regarding the property based on the number of tokens that they own. With an easy-to-use marketplace, a game-changing concept, and genuine dedication, their current and future community of token holders is reshaping the future of how real estate is bought and sold. This information originally occurred on the tokenizer where you can find the full write-up and further details. Next up, the SIA Swiss Influencer Awards were tokenized with Actionariat. The SIA Swiss Influencer Awards were held for the first time in autumn of 2019, and this event has become a fixture in the Swiss influencer scene, both among customers and agencies, among other creators themselves. It is the most prestigious award for Swiss influencers. The concept of the SIA Swiss Influencer Awards not only includes awards in various categories, but it is also dedicated to newcomers who can qualify for awards themselves. This makes the Influencer Awards the largest micro-influencer campaign in Switzerland, and it is a very unique concept internationally. Because they see themselves as part of the influencer community, they saw this as a very logical next step to tokenize. The shares themselves will give access to the entire industry, influencers, agencies, and others who participate in this ecosystem to develop the movement even further. The awards and entire movement will be more democratized, aligning with the goals of the community and the awards themselves. You can find out more info over on Actionariat and learn more about the shares offered. That is all for this week, but I'll see you next week for more updates. Hello and happy Monday. The security token market cap has ticked up to $15.55 billion this week as markets have been beginning to absorb the crazy developments in the FTX saga. Unfortunately, it gets worse though, because Gemini Galactic Markets, or Gemini Galactic, which is the affiliate of Gemini Trust Company, famously founded by the Winklevoss twins, and has recently received approval from FINRA to operate a broker-dealer, register with the SEC, and thus operate the ATS, which people all over the security token industry were super excited about, has unfortunately frozen withdrawals following a purge of investors rushing to pull their money out. Leading up to this event, Over $563 million in outflows occur on the platform compared to only $78 million in inflows. Gemini admitted that they are not able to meet customer redemptions, which raises questions about the health of the company. And if Genesis, who is watched heavily by U.S. regulators, is in trouble, look out below because even more blood will shed. But on the other side of the coin, we do have some good news in security token trading land. Asaterra, the first EU-regulated trading platform for digital securities and digital assets, which is licensed and supervised by the Austrian FMA, announced a big partnership with the French SaaS platform Talium Assets, one of the first all-asset tokenization solutions. With this partnership, Asaterra will become a liquidity venue for revenue-based financing tokens, also known as RBFs, and security tokens issued by Talium Assets clients. A world where investors can actively trade tokenized royalties is a lot closer than we think. Imagine for a second owning a percentage of a musician's tour revenue, or an influencer's advertisement sales, or even distributions from real estate. This is all becoming increasingly possible, and every single day, we're seeing it happen in the real world. 
Not only even more, what if this could be liquid and we can trade across many platforms? It's happening more and more. And even with the dark cloud that's currently over blockchain, really exciting things are happening. And stay tuned every single Monday for more. That's all for now, but have an amazing rest of your week. Wakey wakey, welcome to Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Van Call. This episode, we're gonna highlight companies that are going full speed ahead to the metaverse, despite what the market thinks is a slowdown due to FTX and meta drama. Like for example, KPMG saying the metaverse explosion is not going to come from retail consumers, but from B2B clients. Saying the firm's goal is to build multi-million dollar business opportunities for the firm through the use of the metaverse technologies by 2025. In the near future, they will be holding executive meetings and closing multi-million dollar deals with clients in the metaverse. And even exploring public metaverse platforms saying daily active users is not a problem and that this is how new business models are going to be formed. And this issue just allows for easier experimentation. Next, Nike had a great year in terms of NFTs and does not seem to be slowing down. According to Bloomberg, Nike will open an online store platform for the sale of virtual sneakers, thus the company continues to invest in the metaverse. Athletes signed to Nike will have their own storefronts. Individual creators, including designers, can also co-create products with the brand by entering competitions and earning royalties for their projects. Moving forward, global clothing retailer H&M will present the metaverse design store collection. The latest edition of its innovative store collection, online and offline clothing, the collection will be available at Melbourne's GPO Mall from December 8th, while the online version will be available in virtual spaces by December 1st. And last but not least, Apple's secrecy and wordplay around the metaverse could prove to be a smart one. While everyone is fighting amongst themselves, Apple is quietly hiring and building a way towards its metaverse dreams. With this new headset revealed, Apple is banking hard on mixed reality experiences. Even though they won't use the word metaverse because it confuses consumers, they are very much a big player dedicating significant capital towards the growth of immersive experiences. That was Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Evankov. And now, Herwig, it's time for our Companies of the Week segment. This is where we pick a couple of businesses that we wanted to highlight for doing some amazing things in the industry. And also, we're getting closer to the end of the year. And so we are naming a Company of the Year, as we've done the previous two years. And you have to have one Company of the Week. So these last couple of nominations are pretty, pretty important. So with that, Herwig, who's your Company of the Week? Well, Kyle, I got to give it out to, in some rare cases, as we've seen people uh, as well as regulatory bodies. Mm. In this case, we're talking about the New York Fed. Folks. Mm. I got to give it to the Fed for coming up with the digital dollar plan. This, of course, is not official policy. It's nothing huge in that front, but they are starting the research and having the capability so that if one day we want to have a digital dollar, it's going to be ready. And this is actually really big news. It's going to be a 12-week program. They're going to publish all the results. Phase one is already initiated where they're starting with the wholesale CBDC, eventually it mm -hmm. will be retail. They're planning for full fungibility, full redemption capabilities, just like we've seen over in China, where they've got their digital currency already across the country. People are literally turning it into real dollars as well as digital dollars. Homeless people are actually preferring digital dollars because it allows them access to certain uh, economic capabilities. So the digital dollar 
Trust me, folks, it sounds scary. There are definitely concerns around privacy, but dollars are traced themselves. Uh, this is nothing new. This is, you know, what's going to be much, much better off versus this trade off. So, the digital dollar, I think they're going to find the right way. In fact, they're supposed to follow all prerequisite laws. That's part of why they brought in so many banks to make sure that the infrastructure mm. is basically fine to work as it is, just like kind of like a security token. It takes advantage of that tokenization, but it also has this kind of infrastructure with the major, major banks like HSBC, uh, as well as Wells Fargo, PNC, and many others. I want to read this quote real quick, Kyle. You know, they actually said the Fed. You know, collaborating with the banking community to advance research on asset tokenization plus the future of financial market infrastructure uh, as the U.S. is looking to evolve. Mm. That's their goal. A central bank digital currency, a digital dollar would be immensely important for capital markets. Like it'll allow us to go lightning fast as opposed to having to rely on private stable coins and the banks themselves. So this would be a huge deal just in that regard alone, as well as many other features. we got a lot of research on the Security Token Market blog, on Security Token Banks, uh, Central Bank Digital Currencies. But this case, Kyle, my company of the week, if you will, is the New York Fed. I think this is a great choice because you obviously highlighted the benefits of this solution with regards to a digital dollar. And the thing that you also mentioned that I want to really double down on and highlight is I love the process here. It's not about necessarily getting it right on the first attempt. It's not about necessarily just forcing us to adapt some new technology. This is a trial program where they're going to be publishing results, receiving feedback, excuse me, and they're going to be hopefully building an environment where we can see innovation thrive in a sandbox environment. I think that this is a much more productive way of building regulatory compliant innovation is that you need to operate in a test network to see how this stuff works. We've seen it in work so well in Singapore, South Korea and other jurisdictions are looking to build something similar. And hopefully this is the first step towards the US financial regulators adopting a similar policy. I think you'll see crime come down. You'll see people you know, being non-compliant, actually being less frequent because they can test these things before having to spend all of the money that's required. So I, I really, I think it's a great choice. Do you like it or not, China's economy is already going digital uh, way faster than the American economy. And yeah. they may reap many benefits as a result of that. So we definitely, I think, personally need to catch up. But Kyle, it's not just my company in the week. Who's your choice? Well, birthed from the regulatory sandbox from the Monetary Authority of Singapore that I had just mentioned in your win is ADDX. They are now much, much bigger than a little startup coming out of a regulatory sandbox. They have seen and taken that momentum from 2018. We've been watching them the entire time and they have Strap. ridden to the moon. They've now raised 20 million additional dollars coming on the back of, I think, 150 that they raised earlier this year. They have $500 million of funds raised on their platform from their underlying assets. That is US dollars, by the way, despite the fact that they are in Singapore, they're in Asia, all over the APAC region. They have dominated. They just raised from a lot of Korean banks. They've raised from, from Chinese banks in the past. They also, as I said, came out of Singapore. It's a $5,000 minimum investment for any investor to participate. 40 plus countries, unfortunately not the US. And they have over 50 offerings, including debt products, equity, and funds. I think they're doing some really amazing things, proving the, the beauty and, and everything that we know about security tokens. I just 
moderated a panel with CEO Oyi Chu just a few weeks ago at the LA Blockchain Summit. I, I've, I've known her now for a, a year or two after we've shared panels before. So I, I think that they've got a great vision. It's a, it's a very successful company and they're, they're really putting their money where their mouth is. So major shout out to AdX. I think they've won before this year as well. So it's a, a multi-time winner for them, for Definitely sure. Definitely comes into uh, consideration when we're picking that company of the year. So congratulations, AdX. That's absolutely a great choice, obviously. And with this newfound money and clearly a plan to at some point raise a Series B full on. Yeah, this is a pre-Series B. This, this, so they're could working be, uh, this could be big, you know, to see a company do it so well Hopefully one day they make their way over to the U.S., but uh, we, you know, we love this. We're their biggest cheerleader. Good stuff. With that, Kyle, let's get into our main topic. Let's do it. So for our main topic this week, we're revisiting one of the most successful main topics that we've seen in the 160-plus episodes of the Security Token Show. We've seen a lot of interest around tokenized stocks. We refer to them internally as tokenized stock derivatives because they're not quite stocks, but this is a super interesting asset that was pioneered by FTX. We're going to dive into everything going on with this, but really the main topic today, Herwig, is in the wake of everything going on, this is a pretty wild situation, and these are real securities that we're potentially dealing yeah, with. Yeah, I think it's going to be great because we can really break it down once again why we call them stock derivatives, sure. and hopefully you'll understand uh, and see the same thing. And then we're going to talk about what this possibly could mean for the industry of tokenized stock derivatives uh, and the potential, uh, you know, actual events that right. will occur as a result of all of this. So I, I think it's great. Obviously, tokenized stocks are a fascinating technology. This is where we've had stocks that have been tokenized that are private, very commonly, mostly trading on a lot of these private markets. But we've also seen public companies like Apple. Uh, and Tesla, and even uh, less popular, but apparently very popular in the security token, tokenized stocks industry, Grayscale, uh, all tokenized thanks to a company called CM Equity, which is actually a licensed company in Germany uh, that is facilitating all of this. Yep. Essentially, what would be called a float. Uh, supposedly, they would have all of these shares of Facebook and Google, et cetera, available for you to buy. Uh, but uh, specifically, they're tokenized through platforms like FTX and uh, Binance at one point in time. Bittrex. Uh, Bittrex, right? So other platforms were using this layer to facilitate this tokenized stock. So they were the financial intermediary, if you will. Correct. And so now people could trade just like they could crypto tokenized versions of stock, which is actually pretty awesome because we love preaching the value of assets. 24-7, right? 24-7, which is a whole new capability to the stock market. And for this very reason, why we track it on STM, totally. on STM.co. So now we got to break it down because mm. guess what? We all know, as we've been reporting, FTX has blown up. FTX, turns out, owns 100% of CM equity. So- Hmm. This is going to have a big deal. Now, we, Binance, they were already out of the game. Bitrex, they shut down. Bitrex, they, done. Also shut down. Shut down for tokenized stocks. Not, not for crypto, but for these tokenized stocks. We offering. even saw DeFi, a sure. version, right? Something uh, called Mirror Protocol. Mirror. Okay. Now, this was backed by what? They were built on the Luna, Terra Luna ecosystem. Luna, Terra. That was the previous blow up <laughs> that we just saw in this industry. So, FTX and Luna blow, blowing up potentially spells doom or the tokenized stock industry. Now, real questions at hand, right? 
Yeah, this is what's complicated. What? How many stocks does CM Equity have? Was the float bigger or smaller? Is there any stocks at all? How are they getting liquidated? Well, like, that was the main concern for us. Fascinating right? question, right? From the main topic of last week's, or last week, certainly it was probably a year ago or more now. The main question for us was, despite the fact that we didn't know there was that FTX actually did own this subsidiary CM Equities, we believe they were two separate institutions where CM Equities held these assets, these stock, Tesla stock, the Apple stock, Google, a lot of the tech stocks, MicroStrategy, and some of the ones that were shorted, like like Nvidia and or not it shorted, but uh, Bed Bath and Beyond and BlackBerry and, and AMC, GameStop, a lot of those ones. But you know what we saw was interesting was that there was supposedly a one-to-one backing because they were, you know, essentially like ADRs, advanced depository receipts. But supposedly you were able to convert it one-to-one. You could go to FTX and say, hey, I own this tokenized share. I want to convert it into stock. And we wanted to know a little bit more about how that worked. Did you get the share? Did they liquidate it and just give you the cash? Like, what was that process? And we had or just through the grapevine that it wasn't quite as simple as that. Certainly, we know that with stable coins, it's not quite as simple or even tokenized gold. It, it takes quite a long time to make that conversion. Getting in seems easy. Getting out doesn't seem so It's easy. funny how that works, isn't it? So we had a lot of questions around what these things meant, and that's why we kind of tried to rebrand them. They call them tokenized stocks because I guess technically you could see them that way. But as I said, you don't actually own the stock. Security tokens, you actually own the security. So those are tokenized stocks. But these tokenized stock derivatives are really just IOU notes that, yeah, I'm promising you that you own the share of Facebook. Because what happens if you buy it when markets closed? Like, like the, the ledger wouldn't get updated until the next morning when the actual exchange could it. It's right? a 24-7 <laughs> market, but there's only a real nine to four. So there were a lot of questions with how all this stuff works. And now it only gets more complicated because now it's like, well, is FTX allowed to do that and X, Y, and Z? But we don't even need to get into that today. What I think we should get into is now the real test begins, Herwig, because do they really actually own these shares? Yeah. We've seen that That's they, the holy grail question. you know, had misspent customer funds on the crypto side. Had they been misspending customer funds on the tokenized stock side? And if the answer is yes, there, there is regulation around that. There is expectations. CM Equity was licensed. We saw that Binance shut this down because of regulatory uncertainty in Germany, specifically where CM Equities is based. Germany was investigating Binance. Perhaps now they were trying to follow the money line, which was actually FTX the whole time. Either way, there's multiple different things that we have to keep into into factor here. I'll throw them all out there, and then I want to hear what what one catches your eye. Certainly, conversion is, is a possible opportunity here where if they actually own all these tokenized stocks on their balance sheet, they'll convert them to actual shares with CM equities. CM equities will sell those shares. They'll get the cash. And then that cash will be part of the bankruptcy proceedings for FTX in general. That would be like what you'd, I guess, assume would happen, provided that they're doing this the right way. Right. However, what if they weren't? What if they weren't doing it the right way? So if they don't actually own the shares, but they CM equities supposedly was, then either they're lying to the user, the end user, or they're lying to the exchange that or the broker that they were dealing with. If they're lying to the broker that they're dealing with, that's just fraud because they misrepresented their position. 
If they lie to the user, now is there also concerns around the liquidation there because that user should legally be entitled or to a security with which they purchased. And now it gets questionable around rescission, about recising those tokens if there is underlying assets in the bankruptcy proceeding, even locating those shares if they do own them, but they're, it's unclear what accounts they own. All of this stuff. ADRs because Germany, again, not so easy to just go up and pick up U.S. stocks. And we've seen how hard it is for GameStop to locate, literally that term, location of finding where the actual share is. It's only going to be so more complicated here for we've FTX. Got major, major problems there. Absolutely. Obviously, uh, you know, this is why we had a whole episode that you should check out if you haven't on uh, last week on our main topic about how this whole restructuring process goes down. Because now you've added yet another wrench to the equation. We've got a new type of stakeholder, one that is entitled to shares, not money, not crypto, but shares of real U.S. companies, uh, which gets even more, as Kyle pointed out, regulated. So this is pretty serious, folks. We were talking about, we don't know, obviously, how many shares, but we do know, we were able to report, thanks to Security Token Market, that there's over $751 million in volume of trading volume of tokenized stock derivatives uh, this year alone, folks. And this has been happening for a couple of years. So we're talking about serious money that has now been added to that creditor stack. They for sure, one way or another, users are going to have to find some kind of repercussion for either having no stock given to them or being owed some kind of cash form for it, et cetera. And for sure, based on what we're learning on a daily basis, it certainly seems like there may be nothing at all in the first place, which is why, to your credit, Kyle, we've always been so suspicious of how many stocks, if there were even any, were trading behind this 751 volume uh, millions of dollars in trading. Hmm. So a lot of great questions there. We don't have the answers. We're definitely going to keep following this story. Here's a question for you. You're the expert. How do security tokens solve this? If they would have just done a security token, what, what would that have changed in this environment versus having these weird receipts that we're trading around? Well, I mean, for sure, again, it just comes down to knowing the information. Right, uh, a security token would represent the actual shares. We would know how they're trading. They would be regulated themselves. Uh, there was a lot of questions about again what these derivative tokens represented. So at the end of the day, uh, it looks like this industry, this tokenized stock derivatives thing, it's pretty dead. Yeah, it's pretty dead. At the end of the day, the investors need protections. These need to be real assets. We need to allow investors to hold issuers accountable in the event that things like this happen, because unfortunately, it seems like it's just too tempting for these types of individuals to resist. So with that, that is our main topic, talking about tokenized stocks and the demise of these derivative products. One of the story is stay on the security token game. That's what we're trying to say. Like, subscribe, comment, please share this around. Let people know that we've been saying the same thing for like four years now and certainly much longer with the business. So check out any of our resources and learn more about security tokens. SCM.co, you know where to go. Uh, With that, we'll catch you next Monday and happy tokenizing.